Chapter Seven of Grace Harlowe Overseas by Jessie Graham Flower. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Ashley Jane. Chapter Seven: Grace Harlowe's Strategy. Would it be possible to run away from them? Questioned Grace. The quartermaster shook his head. Even if we were fast enough to do that, their guns would reach us and blow us out of the water. They probably would shoot us up anyway if we tried it. I wish I had a gun. Please put up the sail at least, begged Grace. After a moment's reflection, the quartermaster decided to do this, as it would be so much easier than using the oars, and besides some manoeuvring would be necessary to bring the lifeboat alongside the undersea boat, which he knew very well he would be ordered to do. The mast was stepped and the sail bent on by the crew as calmly as though they were not an enemy submarine within a thousand miles of them. As the quartermaster hauled the sheet in and the small boat put its nose into the sea, there came a sharp report and a shell whistled low overhead. Grace thought she felt the breath of it as it passed the shot was put over so close to them. The quartermaster came about quickly. "'Don't go close enough to them so that they can get us aboard. "'Not yet, please,' urged Grace, "'placing a hand on the tiller arm of the quartermaster. "'I've got to, miss, but I won't until they order us to lay alongside. "'Boat ahoy! Who are you?' demanded a voice through a megaphone from the undersea boat. "'Castaways from the SS Holborn,' flung back the quartermaster. "'Who have you aboard?' "'Red Cross Women.' any officers no just the crew to man the boat have your party stand up to be looked over one woman is too sick to stand up answered the quartermaster stand up was the stern command the girls got unsteadily to their feet holding to each other for support the helmsman in the meantime wiring slowly back and forth about a hundred yards from the rolling undersea boat where were you bound for "'Can't say. That's right. Don't you give him information,' approved Grace. "'I don't intend to, miss.' The submarine slowly circled the lifeboat, then lay to a little nearer than before. They were looking out for tricks, but Grace Harlow's unit had no tricks to play. "'Lay alongside,' was the order issued from the submarine. "'Coming slowly.' "'Quartermaster,' whispered Grace. There was a tenseness in her voice that startled the stolid quartermaster. "'What is it?' he demanded in a low tone. "'There is a ship coming up. I wasn't certain at first, but now I can make her out quite clearly when we rise on a swell. Be careful that the German do not see you looking. Oh, do keep off a little longer.' The quartermaster uttered an exclamation. "'It's a destroyer, miss. Thank God!' Talk to the officer there and kill all the time you can so the destroyer may get closer before the submarine folks see her. Oh, I do hope she is able to surprise them. Good business, muttered the quartermaster. You have a head on your shoulders, miss. The quartermaster immediately began having trouble with his boat. Somehow she wouldn't steer. She zigzagged and plunged and heeled until all hands were hanging to the gunwales, momentarily looking to being dumped into the sea. What's the matter? bellowed the commander of the undersea boat. She doesn't handle. Something the matter with the tiller or the rudder, sir. They are coming, warned Grace. Keep them busy until the very last minute. Can't the destroyer shoot her at so far away? 
They are within range, miss, but they probably do not dare risk a shot fearing to hit us. Oh, lay to. We will come alongside, ordered the commanding officer of the German boat. The lifeboat still continued to perform strange antics, however. Lay to or I'll blow you out of the water. As if to emphasise his threat, the U-boat commander fired another shot over the small boat. Will it do any good if I ask him to go away and leave us, that we are only women? questioned Arline. Both Grace and the quartermaster smiled. Keep quiet. The quartermaster is in command here. He will do what is best for us so far as possible, advised Grace, casting anxious glances at the rapidly approaching destroyer. She could not understand why the German commander had not sighted the other boat, but he was so much interested in the lifeboat that his watchfulness was relaxed for the moment. The lifeboat had been hove to, but was still under slow motion, and the U-boat was approaching barely under steerageway. Soon the two boats would be alongside each other, then it would be too late. How long will it take for the destroyer to get here? whispered Grace. Five minutes, about. And how long will it take the submarine to go down? Probably about the same length of time. No less than four minutes. Then, quartermaster, I think it is time that we get away from here as fast as sail power will carry us, decided Grace. Yes, and get blown to pieces, growled the petty officer. It won't do, miss. They're standing by to assist us aboard the Heine boat. Bad luck to them, continued the quartermaster in a low tone of voice. Prepare to come aboard, was the next command from the U-boat skipper. At this juncture Grace Harlow stood up boldly, her hair blowing about her face in the wind. Get ready to sail out of here, quartermaster. We must get out of the way so the destroyer can punish this fellow. Then placing both hands about her mouth, Grace raised her voice in a shout. I don't think we will go on aboard your boat today, Captain, she called. What? Look behind you and you will discover the reason why, she added, pointing toward the destroyer that was rushing toward them, throwing great billows of water from her knife-like bows. Quick, quartermaster, sail for all you are worth and give the destroyer a chance. As she said this, Grace threw her hat overboard, tossing it as far toward the U-boat as she could, and grabbing the hats of three of her companions, she sent them hurtling toward the German. The quartermaster had brought his boat about so quickly that it shipped quite a volume of water. On the U-boat there was instant confusion. Those in the small boat heard the hatch cover go down with a bang and saw the bow of the submarine point gradually downward. Half her conning tower was out of sight in a few seconds, while the lifeboat, now under good headway, was putting water between itself and the German. Out there on the water, but a few yards from the submerging submarine, the girls could easily make out the four bobbing hats that Grace had tossed overboard. No one had thought to question Grace's strange action in throwing them overboard, and the quartermaster was too busy trying to get away from the scene to think about her reason for doing so. The German boat sank out of sight, while the destroyer was still some little distance away. The dashing war vessel seemed to veer a little then, as if she had just discovered them, plunging straight toward the bobbing red cross hats. "'Hold fast, girls,' warned Grace, well knowing what was coming. "'We are going to get a shaking up.' The destroyer dropped a depth bomb a few yards to the right of their hats. 
None of those in the lifeboat knew when the bomb was let go, but a few seconds later they knew that it had exploded. At their distance from the destroyer, the explosion of a depth bomb would have caused a big ship to be severely jolted, and it can be imagined what such an explosion was likely to do to a comparatively frail lifeboat. The little boat was lifted free of the sea, and the occupants of it hurled in all directions. Sailors, Overton girls, and the other passengers landed stunned in the sea. When the lifeboat started away from the submarine, Grace passed life preservers to the boat's company and directed her girls to put them on, but the sailors shook their heads. They were willing to take their chances, and not one would don a life preserver, knowing that he would be laughed at by his companions. Grace Harlowe was almost tempted to remove her own, but her judgment told her to keep it on, and it was well for her that she did so, for following the first bomb, several more were dropped in rapid succession, stunning the women of the party to the point of unconsciousness in some instances. Grace, though dazed, managed to retain her senses, although each explosion seemed to be tearing her to pieces. It was a sensation that she never forgot. Grace recovered rapidly and went at once to the assistance of the girls of her unit, assembling them as rapidly as possible at the overturned boat, where they were able to cling to the lifelines. The quartermaster, stunned at first like the others, had quickly recovered himself and aided in the work of rescue. So busy were they with their own rescue that none of the party had had time to give thought to the destroyer and her prey, the German U-boat. Gasping, half-drowned, still dazed from their terrific experience, they clung to the lines, seeing nothing of what was going on over there beyond the swells and wondering vaguely why the destroyer did not come to their rescue. None of the castaways had seen a black column of water shoot up following the discharge of a depth bomb, nor the rise of oil and a certain tell-tale wreckage to the surface of the sea. To make certain that their work was thoroughly done, the destroyer put over another bomb, then started out in search of the mysterious cutter that had slipped out of sight after leaving a mark for the warship. At last the officers on the bridge saw the lifeboat, bottom side up and nearly half a mile away. They drew in as close as safety permitted and put out a cutter manned by strong arms and soon reached the exhausted Overton girls and their shipwrecked associates. The women were dragged aboard first, then the crew of Grace's boat were hauled in. All the girls, with the exception of Grace, were dazed from their experiences. Grace was weary to the point of physical exhaustion, but her mind was alert and active, and it was pure willpower that enabled her to keep up long enough to assist in getting her charges into the other boat, where most of the girls sank down in a half-stupor. Ruth and Anne had suffered the most, but the others were in none too good condition. A side gangway had been put over from the destroyer, and up this the shipwrecked passengers were assisted. Grace standing by on the platform until the last of her girls were on their way up. They presented a bedraggled and miserable appearance when the company assembled on the deck of the destroyer. Grace saluted the commanding officer gravely, which was answered in kind by that officer, a lieutenant commander. "'What ship is this?' was Grace's first question. "'U.S. Destroyer Crawford. Are you in charge of this party?' "'Yes, sir. We are the Overton College unit going over for the Red Cross. I'm Grace Harlow Gray.' Thank you for rescuing us, for we were in rather a bad way. 
If all men of the sea knew how to take care of themselves as well as you have shown your ability to do so, we would have a different breed of sailors. May I ask whose idea it was tossing those hats over? Grace admitted that she had tossed them over, hoping that the destroyer officers would see them and understand that she had thrown the hats away to mark the disappearing point of the U-boat. Fine strategy. It gave us a good mark to shoot at. Thank you, answered Grace simply. I am afraid we cannot do much for you in the way of clothes, but you had better put your young women to bed at once. I will see that warm drinks are served to them and that their wet clothing is dried and ironed. Destroyers do not carry very extensive wardrobes, you know, added the lieutenant commander smilingly. The party was then assigned to cabins. Grace saw that every member of her party was well rubbed down and tucked under warm blankets before she gave any attention to herself. Then, undressing and throwing her bedraggled garments out into the corridor, she dropped into her bunk and lost herself to the world. She did not awaken until after daylight the following morning. Each girl upon awaking found that her clothing, thoroughly dried and ironed, had been tossed into her cabin some time in the night. Grace dressed with considerable care, combed and groomed her golden-brown hair with infinite care, and putting on an officer's cap that she found with her clothing, stepped out and began searching for the members of her unit. End of chapter 7 Recording by Ashley Jane